You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Well, I'm excited and I hope you are too because we're going to dive right into it. If you have your Bible, which I hope you do, if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, last week I was joking with my mom when I finished. I said, you know, it's funny. I haven't, I didn't really have a lot of verses last week. It was more just talking and sharing. But uh, yeah, if you know me, I'll have 20 verses if you're not careful. But don't worry, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. We're going to keep it simple again this morning, if that's all right with you. This morning I want to talk to you about something. Uh, I want to talk to you about submission. And that's a word that in the world, I just want to give you some context. In the world, when you tell someone to submit, the first thought is I'm going to be taken advantage of. The moment you say submission in the world, the first thought is I'm going to be taken advantage of or, you know, I'm submitting to them, but they don't deserve for me to submit to them. And uh, the reason why I'm talking about it, and again, I believe it's very intentional from the Lord, especially for our church, but I believe it's intentional in this sense. Don't let the mentality of the world leak into the church. Don't let the mentality of the world leak into you as the life of the believer. In the world, people are terrified to submit because they know that the person that they are supposed to be submitting to is not smarter than them, is not um, as cunning as them, is not as educated or as informed as them. But let me say this, in the church, God never asks you to submit to someone who is smarter than you, who is better than you, who's more qualified than you. No, God asks you to submit to someone who is not better than you, who's not smarter than you. And the the beauty of submission is this, that when you submit, you're submitting to them whenever you submit to someone or an authority that's been set in place by God above you. When you submit to that person, let me say this, you are submitting to God himself. Let me say this, whenever Jesus said this, whenever you go, listen, if they reject you, know this, they're not rejecting you to his disciples. He said, when you go out and preach and they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the one who sent you talking about himself. And the same is true for Jesus. You know, back then, there was a lot of people who loved God, but they hated Jesus. The religious Pharisees, they hated Jesus. The religious people of his day hated him. And Jesus said this, let me say this, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting the one who sent me. Now listen, when you submit to your authority that you can see, let me say, we all submit to God. Of course, we all submit to God. But if the truth is known, most of us have a problem submitting to the authority that we can see. Now, let's take John's principle. In 1 John, John said this, you cannot say that you love God and don't love your brother. How can you love God who you don't see, but love God who you don't see, but not love the brother that you can see? And the truth is same for this principle as well. You cannot say, well, I submit to God who I don't see, but I have a hard time submitting to the person that I can see. When you submit to the one that you can see, you are submitting to the one that God put in authority over you. And when you do that, let me say this, you are submitting to God. You are honoring God by submitting. Now, this is one of those messages It's probably best that we don't have this face to face. I'm joking, but I, I, I say it this way. When you submit to the authority that God has placed over you, let me say this. You will release the favor of God into every area of your life. 
And I believe with all my heart, I'm telling you, and I believe this as God is my witness. I believe that this message is intentional for this reason. God wants Center Church to be the most favored church and the most favored people in the city of Charlotte. I believe that. God wants you to be the most favored person in your job. He wants you to be the most favored person everywhere you find yourself. I believe that with all my heart. God wants his favor to exist exponentially increase in our life. I believe that. And I believe that when you submit, you are releasing the favor of God. Now, I'm going to show you that in just a moment. In fact, look at this in 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 5 is grace. So we're starting with grace, grace. Here we go. Peter says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Now, clothed with humility means this. The same way people see the clothes that you're wearing, let them see the humility that you have. There's a belief in the church that everything has to be hidden. Jesus did say one time, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. That's a true fact. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you do something good for someone, don't tell everyone what you did. Just do it and do it as to the Lord. Now, there's a, there's a moment for that. But let me say this. Be clothed with humility means let the people around you see your humility. Be humble. And let people see how humble you are. I'll say it this way. Be proud to be humble. I'm just joking. All right. You know what? Let's pray real quick. We didn't pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here this morning. Father, I thank you for the open and ready hearts that are ready to receive the word this morning. Open and ready hearts. Good soil. Good ground that are ready to receive the word this morning. Father, I thank you that no one came to hear me. No one came to see me. We all came to receive from you, Jesus. So, Father, I thank you that you will not disappoint Lord, I ask that everyone would walk away with exactly what you would have for them. And as the word goes forth, Father, every battle, every struggle, every problem that we walked into this meeting with, I thank you that you are handling it. You are setting, settling it. You, as our high priest, Jesus, before the Father, as our representation before the Father, I thank you, Jesus, every controversy and every assault is settled in the name of Jesus, even right now as the word goes forth. And so, Father, I thank you for an increase of favor that will manifest as we finish today's message. And I thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, again, where were we? So he says in 1 Peter verse 5, clothe yourself with humility. Now, in the context of that, look what he says. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that's one of those verses I've known, you know, I've known it. And I've always said God resists the proud. And I take that, that word, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When I'm, when I'm here, Matthew, don't be proud. You know, when I used to play basketball and I, and I would do, you know, cross someone over, I was really good. At, you know, I would say, Matthew, don't be proud. God resists the proud. Now, this statement is true. But notice how Peter used it in the context of what he's talking about. Verse 5, he said what? Submit yourselves to your elders. Be submissive to one another. Clothe yourself in humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is he talking about in terms of pride? If you cannot submit to someone that God has put over you, that is pride. I know all of us have that one person in our life. It's hard for me to submit to them. Let me say this. I understand. I completely understand. More than I can say, I understand. But let me say this. To say that I cannot submit to someone is nothing more than pride, and God resists the proud. But he gives what to the humble? Grace. He gives favor to the humble. He gives favor to those who can say, 
I know I'm more qualified. I know I'm smarter. I know I'm more informed. I know I can make better decisions. I know that I should be in that position. But even though I know these things, I can still submit to that person who's not as informed, who's not as smart, who's not as intelligent, who's not as educated, who is not whatever. I know that if I know that I can submit to them. And God gives grace to the person who can be humble. And notice what he says in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under, submit. Sub means under, and mission literally means to come under the mission. Come under the mission of someone else. I have a mission for myself. I have a, I have a goal for myself, but I'm going to submit. That literally means I'm going to come under someone else's mission. And what does he say in verse 6? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may exalt you in due time. God wants to exalt you. And let me say it this way. God wants you exalted, but he doesn't want you to exalt you. If God exalts you, that means he will put you in his hand and he will hold you up. And I don't care how many people come against you. I don't care how many people talk junk about you, how many people try to bring you down. No one can bring God's hands down. No one can bring God's hands down. But if you will submit and put yourself in God's hand, let me say this. God himself will hold you up. When God lifts you up, God sustains you. But when you try to lift yourself up, when you try to you know, exalt yourself, lift yourself up, you have to sustain your own self. <laughs> All right? I would rather God exalt me than me exalt myself. And I hope the same is true for you. Stop trying to show everyone how good you are and all the things you can do. Let God exalt you in due time. Clothe yourself with what? Humility. In what context? Submit. Submit. Now, let me say this. I was reading in, in 1 Timothy. Don't go there. 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you're taking down notes, write that down and read that for yourself. I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And literally, Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to tell the people of the church there. I want you to tell them this. I want you to pray for every authority. Pray for, pray for kings and pray for, I mean, he goes on to talk about this. And there's this moment where I knew what I was going to share this morning. And you know what the Lord said? Son, I didn't, literally, I knew who the emperor was, but I heard the Lord say this. Look up the emperor during Paul's time. When Paul wrote this, Paul told the church, I want you to pray for kings, pray for your authorities, pray for your leaders, pray for all of them. And then he says this, so that you can live a peaceable life. Go back and read this for yourself. He says, so you can live a peaceable life. The goal was not because we like our leaders, we love our leaders, we think they're amazing people. I hope you love me and think I'm great and amazing. I really do. But he goes on to say this, go and pray for them. And what is the reason? What's the goal? So that we can have a peaceful life. It's not because we like them. It's so we can have a peaceful life. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. But let me say this, as the authority that's put in place, when Paul wrote those words, Nero was the emperor. Literally, the emperor of Rome was Nero. And Nero, just a quick Google search will tell you everything you need to know. Nero was known for killing Christians. That's what he was known for, killing Christians. And Paul is telling everyone that he knows they're going to read his letter. He's telling them, hey, pray for Nero as well so we can live a peaceful life. Isn't that crazy? Now, again, what are we seeing right here? When you submit, if you say, well, Matthew, I have a hard time submitting to this person. Let me say this. I understand. But God is not asking an imperfect person, me, to submit to someone who is perfect. He never does that. He always asks imperfect people to submit to other imperfect people. And God knows that all the people involved, all the parties involved are imperfect. And yet, if you can submit to someone else, 
that's not as qualified as you, not as good as you, not better than you. And let me say it's not as good looking as you. And that's when you say amen. Not as good looking as you. If you can submit to them, let me say this. You are submitting to the Lord and God will honor that. And God gives grace to those who can submit. I'm telling you, I want to see more of God's favor in your life. You know, this, this hits home for me because as a pastor of this church, as a pastor of this church, there's a lot of areas that I am not smart in. I'm not stupid. I know that. There's a lot of areas I'm uneducated in. There's a lot of areas that I'm just not intelligent in. You know, my thing is this. I know the word of God. I love the word of God. I know the word of God. You have a question on the Bible? Come to me all day. But did you know that Paul is talking about submitting to their authorities, not just the authorities that are experts in that area. Literally in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and here, the idea from Paul and Peter is this. If you can submit to your authority, even when you know that the instruction is not correct, if you will submit, God will protect you. In the world, they say, well, if I submit, I'll be taken advantage of. But in the church, let me say this. We have a guarantee that if you will submit, God will protect you. God will never let you be taken advantage of. Now, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I want you to understand this. When you submit, don't let the mentality of the world bleed into our, to the life of the believer. When you submit, you release favor. And I love what Peter says here. Don't just submit to the elders, submit to everyone. When you understand that submission releases favor, you'll find it easier to submit to everyone. 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 Because let me say this. Submission releases favor. I hope you got the point. Look at this. Luke chapter 2. Oh, man. Luke, Luke, Luke chapter 2. And I, and I say this all the time because I love it. Whenever something is not easy to receive, and I say that by the grace of God, it's easier to receive it when you look at Jesus. All right? So let's look at Jesus. Luke chapter 2. The Bible says that when Jesus was 12 years old, his parents took him to the temple for um, the rite of passage for a young man. All right? He is, uh, he's coming of age. And so when it comes time for Passover, they take him to the temple in Luke chapter 2. Yeah, Luke chapter 2, they take him to the temple. And when they get to the temple, they spend the holiday there, the feast there, and they came with a caravan of people, a large group of people. And when it comes time for them to leave, the Bible says that Jesus lingered. He stayed in the city. Now, they're about two or three days away, and all of a sudden, Mary looks up, Joseph looks up, and they realize Jesus is nowhere to be found. Our son is not in the group. Now, let me say this. I'm a parent of a five-year-old. If I look up and I'm in a group of people and I realize my son is nowhere to be found, there's going to be a problem. So Mary and Joseph panic. Our 12-year-old son is gone. And we're three days away from Jerusalem. So they beeline back and they go back to the city. Now, let me say this. Of all the people on the planet Earth, Jesus is the most protected, the most watched over. Let me say this. Angels watch over every step he takes. Angels watch every corner that he comes around. Angels watch every street. They watch every problem. Angels are watching over him. There is no one safer on planet earth than Jesus Christ. All right? No one safer than him. And so Mary knows that he's the Messiah. She knows he's the chosen one. But before that, she's mother first. She is his mom first. So she and Joseph beeline back. Let's go get our son. So she goes back to find him. And the Bible says that when they get back, they go to the synagogue and the temple and Jesus is in the midst of the, the, the teachers and the, the leaders and he's talking. Look at this in verse 45. It says, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking for him. Verse 46. Now, so, now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them. Now watch this. He's sitting in their midst and what's he doing first? Listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard, verse 47, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 
Now watch the wisdom of God. Wisdom, oh, I love this. Wisdom is not always, let me say this. There's times when I sit in messages, times where I've been around other ministers, other people, and I know that I know the answer. I know that I can, I can prove the answer with two or three witnesses. I know that I know the answer. But wisdom is not coming in guns blazing. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I know this. You no, know, I know this and you don't and you're wrong and you don't know. The Jesus came in with the wisdom of God. He is the smartest person in the room and he's the youngest person in the room and he sits down in the midst. And what's he do? He listens first. Wisdom listens first. Solomon says in, in, in Proverbs, how many times? Attend your ear to my words. Listen, listen, listen. You want wisdom? Listen first. Secondly, you can always tell that you're tapping into God's wisdom when you don't have everything to say, but you stay quiet first and listen first. When you can listen first, let me say this, you're positioning yourself to receive more wisdom. So he listens. Then what does he do? He asks them questions. Jesus doesn't need to ask questions. He has all the answers, but he asks them questions. And while he's asking them questions, however he asks them questions, he asked them questions in a way that it required them to ask him probably the same questions because the very next verse says what? They marveled or they were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Interesting. He asked questions that he already knew the answers to. And when, he realized, when they realized that they didn't have the answers and they turned the questions back on him, it was the wisdom of God that he gave them the answers that they didn't even know they needed. And they were astonished. Now keep in mind, how old is Jesus again? 12 years old. He's not a man yet, but how old is he? 12 years old. At 12, it says, so when they saw him, verse 48, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. <laughs> she knew he's God's son. And I know that we're all God's children, but let me say this, before Jesus, none of us were God's children. He's the only son of God. He is the only begotten son of God. And she knew that he was favored. She knew that he was protected. She knew that he was watched over by angels. She knew all of this. When before he was born, I'm sorry, um, after he was born, an angel came to her. And I'm sorry, the angel came to Joseph and said, look, leave. Let me say this. God cares so much about his son that he woke his parents up in the middle of the night and said, take my son and go to Egypt. His son is protected. Let me say, if there's anyone protected on the face of the planet, it's his son that's protected. And yet she's terrified. She's anxious. Look at what you did to us. Your father and I have sought for you anxiously. And what does Jesus say? Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Translation, he knows who he is. He knows what he's doing. And yet, look at verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Now watch this, verse 51. But then they went, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth, blech, Nazareth, <laughs> and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now watch this. Jesus knows he's smarter. Jesus knows I need to be about my father's business. Jesus knows I have a mission, I have a purpose, and I'm already starting to see this thing play out. Jesus knows I could start it now if I wanted to, but watch this. Yet he went down to Nazareth with them and was subject to them, meaning what? He submitted to them. He's smarter than them. He's brighter than them. He's wiser than them. He's more protected than them. He can take care of himself. God will take care of him. If he goes too long without food, God will send angels to feed him. When he needs money, let me say this, God will multiply. There's nothing that God won't do for this, this one human being on the face of the planet. They don't need to worry about him. They can worry about all the other children because they had others. But let me say this, when it comes to this one, we don't need to worry about him. And yet, Jesus submitted to someone 
who was not as smart as him, who was not as wise as him, who was not as prepared as him, who was not as protected, watched over, and favored as him. He submitted to them. And watch this, verse 52. And then Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. Now watch this, in favor with God and men. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I say this. Every believer has favor with God. If you understand what Jesus did, Jesus at the cross took all the curse, all the curse, because at the cross, he literally became our sin. Not just our sin till we said, Jesus, you're our savior. He took our entire lifetime of sin. The Bible says in Hebrews, one sacrifice for all time. So he took all our sin, literally all our sin into his physical body. And at the cross, when he was hanging in darkness, the, the, the personification of all our sin, all our evil thoughts, all the things that we think about, but we don't always do, all the things, literally our sin, he took all of it in his body. And in that moment at the cross, he became sin. And God poured out his entire fullness of his wrath and his judgment his anger on the body of his son there at the cross and at the cross jesus died for us he died as us and like gideon who put the fleece out on the first night he said let all the dew of heaven literally the grace of god let it be consumed into this one fleece jesus came into the world he was full of god's grace but then at the cross all that grace was purged from him and the second night gideon said let me put the same fleece out sheep wool let me put the same fleece out and yet now let all the dew be on the grass around it, on the earth around it, but don't let the fleece have men any. And in the same way that happened for him, the grace of heaven, God purged, the fire of heaven came on him and all the dew, all the grace that was in him was now released to all of us. Every believer is favored by God. Whether you know it or not, you are favored by God. The question is not, can we get more of God's favor no, the question today is, we want to see God's favor released with men. Do you understand? Jesus was already favored, but this one moment when he submitted to his parents, when he submitted, he increased in favor with God and with men. It's not enough just to have the favor of God. I mean, there's a lot of believers that I know. Every believer has the favor of God, whether they know it or not, but not every believer has favor with men. Not every believer has favor with their boss. Not every believer has favor with their coworkers. I'll say this, and, and listen, I'll say this carefully. Not every believer has favor with their family. All right? They don't. If the truth was known, if we're saying the truth, we're being honest, not every believer has favor with men. And yet Jesus increased in favor with men. But how did he do it? He submitted to men who were imperfect. <laughs> and yet he saw God's favor. Do you know when it comes to marriage, God says, husbands love, wives submit. If you understand the concept of submission, you'll understand he's not saying submit because you're, you're not as smart, you're not as bright, you're not as intelligent. He's saying because you're smarter, because you're brighter, because you're more intelligent, you're more equipped. I'm asking you to submit. <laughs> he's not saying wives submit because you're not there. He's saying wives submit, why? Because you are. But if you'll submit, what happens? You'll release the favor of God in every other area. In every other area. You know, let me talk about David for a moment. You know, David submitted to his father. David submitted to his father. The Bible says that David was a shepherd. And as great of a shepherd as he was, the Bible says that when it came time for his father, his, uh, when Goliath, the Philistines were attacking Israel, his father wanted to send bread and cheese to his, to his 
other sons. He called David and he said, I want you to go and take this bread to them. And David didn't say, oh, well, you know, I have more sheep or, oh, you know, I want to go do this in the field. Or, you know, last week there was a lion. I need to be here to guard the sheep. Last week there was a bear. Most people would run. Not me. I fought the bear and I won. You know, he didn't have anything to say. His father said, take the bread, take the cheese. And he said, yes, sir, gone. And he was gone. And that one moment of submission put him at the right place at the right time. Because when he showed up on the battlefield, guess what? It was the right time of day at the right hour that Goliath was doing his daily speech. And in that moment, David was at the right place at the right time to hear Goliath give his speech. And David said, wow, this is my moment. <laughs> and he goes out and he fights Goliath and he wins. Right place, right time. But why? Because he submitted. He didn't have a lot to say. He just said, yes, sir. And he did it and he moved on. Again, what if I'm taking advantage of? Let me say this. For the believer, that's not the case. For the believer, that will never be the case. And I'm going to show you that in a few moments. But let me say this. For the believer, you will never be taken advantage of. When you submit to your authority, when you submit as unto the Lord, let me say this. God himself, even if the instructions are wrong, even if you know this is, I'm not supposed to be turning right, I'm supposed to be turning left. I don't care how it works out. God will make sure that it works out in your favor every single time. Because you can never be taken advantage of when you submit to the Lord. You know, when it comes to taxes, when it comes to the governmental authority, again, read 1 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> when it comes to government, governmental authority, you know that Jesus taught people, he taught us to pay taxes. You know what taxes, you know what paying taxes is? Submitting to your governmental authority. Then he said, well, Matthew, if I don't pay taxes, I get thrown in jail. Now, yes, there, there's that moment. But listen, this is a chance for you as a believer to say, I'm going to submit as to the Lord. I know that if I don't, there's a consequence, but consequence aside, submit as unto the Lord, pay your taxes. They came to him and said, Jesus, should we give, should we pay taxes or should we not? And at that time they were paying a temple tax and they were paying a tax to their, uh, to, to the government, to the, to the Roman government. And Jesus took a coin and said, who's, Whose face is on this? And they said, Caesar's. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Translation, pay the temple tax. Pay the, uh, pay the, the government tax. But you still have to tithe as well. And several times throughout the year, you bring an offering to the Lord. So what is Jesus saying? Submit. Submit. That's what Jesus was saying to them. He was literally saying, submit. And do you know that it was that principle of submission that if his parents had not submitted... If Mary and Joseph had not submitted, it was because they were paying their taxes that they had to go back to Bethlehem to be counted. There was an ordinance that went through the land that in order for, uh, they had to go back to their hometown and they had to pay taxes. And it was because they were submitting to their governmental authority, because they were submitting, they were at the right place at the right time, fulfilling Bible prophecy. Whether they knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem or not, whether they knew that's where the Messiah would be born, doesn't matter. They were submitting, therefore they fulfilled Bible prophecy. When you submit, you will be at the right place. God will put you at the right place at the right time. Every time. Think about the story of Ruth. In the story of Ruth, I love the story of Ruth. I think, yeah, Ruth was a Moabite. Naomi had a, had a, had a husband and two sons. And there was a famine that spread through, I think it was Bethlehem. Was it Bethlehem, Ma? Yeah, it was in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, there we go. Anyways, she's living in Bethlehem and a famine sweeps through the land. And what does she do? She takes her and her family, she submits to her husband, and they leave Bethlehem. Bad mistake. Bad mistake. But she submits to her husband and she goes. And when she goes, she loses her husband, she loses her two sons. But let me ask you this. When you submit, you say, oh, Matthew, things are going wrong. I submitted and things, bad things are happening. Let me say this. God will make sure that your end is better than your beginning. 
God will make sure your end is better than your beginning. Consider the story of Job. When bad things happen, know this, your end will be better than your beginning. So she submitted. She goes, her husband dies, her two sons dies, and she starts to mourn. Orpah and Ruth follow her all the way back to, back to Bethlehem. And right before they're crossing over the border, Naomi tells her two daughter-in-laws, go back home. Both my sons are dead. Your husbands are dead. Go back home. Orpah leaves. And, and she says, look, if you come with me, I don't, I don't have any more sons for you to marry. Even if I had a son now, are you going to wait for them to grow up until you can marry them? She says, no, just go back home. And Ruth looks at Naomi and says this. She says this to Naomi. Where you go, I go. Where you sleep, I sleep. Your God will be my God. Translation, I'm submitting to you. My mother-in-law. Imagine that, right? <laughs> she submitted to her mother-in-law. But God was so impressed. So when they get home, what happens? What happens? She says, look, we need to go get some food. I will go to the field and I will do what? I'll glean in the field of the one and I will find favor in the eyes of the one in whom I glean. The whole story of Ruth is a story about a young girl who does nothing but submit. That's it. She just keeps submitting. And you know what's crazy? She didn't quote unquote submit as she was submitting to God. What did she say? She said, I'll find favor in the eyes of not God. I'll find favor in the eyes of who? The man. I'm telling you, when you submit, you are releasing favor with men. When she got to the field, what happened? Boaz saw her and was like, whoa, who is that? <laughs> and he told his young men, no one's allowed to touch her. The law of God says when an outsider comes in and they're poor, you're not to make them cut the grain themselves, to sheave the grain. You're to sheave it for them and lay it on the ground for them to pick up. And so he told them, listen, follow the law of the Lord for her. Leave the grain for her. Don't make her work for the food. Make her, let her, all she has to do is pick up the food and go home. Do you see that? Favor. With who? Men. She gets home. She tells Naomi what's going on. And Naomi says, what? Let me tell you what to do next. She submits to Naomi. She goes and she proposes to him. <laughs> and then when she proposes to him, Boaz says, all right, there's someone else in line ahead of me. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you to go home, take the food home. And I'll take care of everything from here. She goes back home to Naomi. And now Naomi tells her something else. Sit down. He won't rest until the matter is resolved. And Ruth didn't. She never looked at Naomi and said, look, I'm the one who's good looking. I'm the one who found the man. I'm the one who found the field. It was my intuition. It was my leading. I'm qualified. I know that if I go and I put my arm around him or if I go and I stand beside him and if I did, you know, she didn't do any of that. She didn't even listen. She probably had a lot of ideas in her head on how to get his attention, but she didn't do a thing. She just kept submitting. The whole story of Ruth, she just kept submitting. And every time she submitted, it put her in a better place, in a better position every single time, every time. And by the time the story ends, she submits, she submits, she submits. And what happens? She ends up marrying the man who has the field, who owns the field. And you know what happens? <laughs> Naomi, Naomi, who submitted to her husband, things turn bad for her, but God never forgets the one who submits. I, let me say this. There's a lot of us, and I know some people, and I myself have been in this boat, where you have an idea, where you have something good, and you bring it before, and it's a God idea. It's a God thought. It's a God dream. And you bring it, and you start presenting it, and it seems like other people have taken it. Other people have stolen it. And let me say this. God, let me say, God watches over what he puts in your hands. And it may look like someone else is taking something from you. It may look like someone else is stealing something from you. But let me say this. When the time for promotion comes, the Bible says that when Mordecai, in the story of Esther, the Bible says that when the time came for Mordecai to get promoted, the king promoted Haman, his enemy, instead. 
And Mordecai had a chance to say, oh God, I didn't get promoted. Oh God, what happened? Oh God, oh God. You know, and you know what happened? Fast forward, fast forward. When the time came for Mordecai to get promoted, God kept the king awake. God kept the king awake at night, a sleepless night. And the next morning, God promoted, I say God because God did it through the king. God promoted Mordecai 10 times over more than Haman was ever promoted in the beginning. But listen, he didn't go to the king and complain, oh king, I did this, oh king, I did that, oh king, oh king, oh king. No, he kept working as if he was working unto the Lord. He advised as if he was advising unto the Lord. He submitted to the authority of the king. The king promoted Haman, my enemy. No, no I have nothing to say. You don't want my advice? I'm not going to give it. Submit. Submit. You know, Ruth, her story ends. She becomes part of the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. A Moabite. Her people were cursed. But she submits nonstop. And she becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grandmother of David. <laughs> I'm telling you, what happens when God's people start submitting? Look at this in the story of Esther. I'm going to bring this to a close. Look at this in the story of Esther. Esther chapter 5, I believe. No, Esther chapter 2. I thought that looked weird. I'm in Ezra, not Esther. I was like, wait a second, something's not right. <laughs> Go to Esther chapter 2. I had to sing the Bible song in my head. I was like, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Okay, Esther. <laughs> Go to Esther chapter 2. Now, the story of Esther, again, another amazing story about submission. And I'm going to close with the story of jo jo Joseph. So I'm just going to share this very briefly. We're not going to stay here very long. But in the story of Esther, funny story. It opens up with the king. Israel had turned from God. They were doing what they were not supposed to do. And under the law, sin could be atoned for, but eventually it has to be paid for has to be paid for. That's why in the new covenant, we are not atoned. Jesus, listen, I know that the word atone has been used, but the idea of atonement, the word atonement literally means that sin is covered. We are not covered. Our sin has been removed. All right. Jesus did not use the word atone on the night of the Passover. He used the word remission. Why? Because up to that point, the blood of the lamb had only been atoning for their sins, but the blood of Jesus came to remove our sin. Now, at that point, sin had not been removed, had not been remitted. It was just being atoned. And finally, sin caught up to them. They stepped into rebellion. And because they were in rebellion, what happened? Their enemy came, took them captive. Now, while they're in captivity, we come across the story of Esther. Now, the king, and I love his name. His name is Aha. It was not, not pronounced Ahasuerus, but that's how I've always remembered it, Ahasuerus. Anyways, <laughs> the king at the time, he, he, he wants to have this amazing banqueting feast, and he throws this seven-day feast. And the Bible says his queen, Vashti, she has her own feast in another area. And on day number seven, the king is drunk. He's having a good time, great time with all his friends, day number seven. And he calls the queen and he says, I want you to come over here. I want everyone to see how beautiful you are. And what does she do? She says, no. Now, let me say this. She has a moment. She can submit to her husband. She's beautiful. What does that say for the church? Jesus has made you beautiful. And let me say this. God wants to show you off. It's the enemy's lie who tells you you're not beautiful. It's the enemy's lie who tells you you're not good looking. It's the enemy's lie who tells you you're not handsome. You're not this. You're not that. You can't go here because of those. Let me see. It's just the lie of the enemy. God wants to show everyone how beautiful he has made you. All right? But anyways, the king says, Vashti, come. I want everyone to see how beautiful you are. And she says, no. She doesn't submit. 
So all the king's eunuchs and all the king's advisors, they come to him and say, king, you can't, you can't allow this. Because if everyone else in the kingdom finds out, all the women will rebel. <laughs> None of these men were married. Anyways, all the women will rebel. <laughs> and so they said, we have to get rid of her as the queen. We got to get rid of her. So the king, they come up with a plan. Let's have a party where all the beautiful, listen, not ugly, all the beautiful women come before the king. And the king can see them and choose a different queen. All right, one that will submit. So they bring all the women in and Esther is called in. And when she comes in, the Bible says that, that the king put a eunuch over all the women. And this man's name was Haggai. Haggai, interesting name, Haggai. Anyways, Haggai is the eunuch. He's safe around women. All right, we'll put it that way. Anyways, he's a eunuch over all the women. But the Bible says, listen, that Haggai was drawn to Esther. She was beautiful and lovely of spirit. So he's drawn to her. And when the time comes, the Bible says that every woman must bathe for six months in oil of myrrh and six months with perfume. So when the time comes for them to stand before the king, they must have six months of oil of myrrh and six months of perfume put on them. So they're, they're ready. They're ready to go. But when they come in, every woman gets to choose how they want to present themselves before the king. So one woman says, well, I want to come in with fur. I'm going to drape myself in fur because I think I look beautiful with fur. Another woman says, well, you know, I think I look beautiful with this. So I'm going to, I'm going to put all this makeup on. I'm going to do all this. Another woman says, I need a wig and I need all this. You know, and the women, they, they go through all the different things that they want to do. They get to choose how they present themselves before the king. And when they go in before the king, one after another, the king just keeps, no, she's not the one. She's not the one. But the Bible says that when Esther's turn came, she submitted to a man who was a eunuch. She submitted to Haggai. Haggai says, look, you should go in dressed like this, Esther. And you know what the Bible says? She did. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 15. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what, he but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. She submitted to him. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month which is the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women. Watch this. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight, more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown on her head, made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the, now watch this. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants. And he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of the king. Now watch this in verse 17, one more time. No, no, I'm sorry. Look at verse 15. Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. I'm telling you, when you submit, you will see favor in every area of your life. I'm not just talking about favor with God. We're talking about favor with men. You want to release favor with men? Start submitting to imperfect people. You want to see favor with your boss? Start submitting to imperfect people. You want to see favor in your, in, in your homeless and start submitting to imperfect people? unqualified, probably less intelligent people. <laughs> Start submitting. But Matthew, they don't deserve. Matthew, they don't, you, they're not as informed. They don't know. They're not here. You know, that used to be my rally crap, my last job. My boss isn't here. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know the situation. If he was just here, then he would be more informed and he would know what's happening. And then he would, and, but you know, let me say this, without knowing, without knowing this truth, I'm in, I was just always intrinsically drawn to say whatever my boss says goes. I may feel like he's not as smart as me in this area. I may feel like he's not as informed as me, but in, 
intuitively, that's just always been my, 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 I've always just been drawn to say, okay, whatever the boss says goes, it's his, it's his ship. If the ship goes down, it's because he's the captain. <laughs> this has always been the way I've, this is the way I was drawn to, to do it. And let me say this, because of that, there was a submission that took place. Again, it wasn't, in my mind, I wasn't going, I'm submitting to him. But let me say this, the Lord was proving this to me back then. If you'll submit to the authority, even if his, if his decisions are bad decisions, and the things he's saying are just flat out dumb, he doesn't know because he's not here. He's not in this position. He doesn't dispatch over here. He doesn't work with these people. And he doesn't know how these customers like this done. And yet, he would say, do this, do that. And I found that when we would submit, that when, 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 as the leader of my area, supervisor, as I would submit to him, I can tell you I had more favor with him and everyone else. More favor than probably most of the other people there. More favor. And not just favor with God, favor with men. I remember when I left that job, I asked a good friend of mine, I said, you know, did I have favor with that person? My friend said, absolutely, you had favor. And I said, let me ask you this, do you feel like I ever brown-nosed that person? There were times where it might have looked like that, but it was the favor of God. We knew it. You had favor with this person. You have favor with the boss. And why is that? It's because we just give him what he wants. Just give him what he wants. No, it's an attitude. Submission is not just, well, you're in charge. I do what you want because you're in charge. No, submit because, listen, submit as you're submitted, as if you're submitting to the Lord. You want me to do this this way? In my mind, I feel like that's the wrong choice, but I'm going to submit to you anyways. That's why I say when you come to your godly authority, how much more in the church? How much more in the church when you submit to your pastor? Let me say, as a pastor of this church, you come to me and say, Matthew, I need advice on X, Y, and Z. And I have no idea what any of that means. But let me say this. I may not know about that, but I know how to hear from the Lord. I know how to hear from the Lord. And even if I miss the call of God, even if I miss the voice of God on that, if you will submit to your godly authority, how much more will God protect you? We've all seen someone who's done something wrong, and yet they still win. We've all seen that happen in life where someone does the wrong thing and yet they still get the right result. How much more for you and me when we submit to a, our, uh, to a godly authority? God will protect you. Now, let me close with this. In, look, I'm closing my Bible. <laughs> Joseph, I'm going to close with the story. Joseph, when he found himself in Egypt, sold into slavery. The Bible says that God was with Joseph and he was a successful man. God was with him, so he was favored. God was with him. Not, I'm going to take that word favored back. God was with him and he was blessed. You know why I say blessed instead of favored? He was successful. That's the blessing of God. I know it's the favor of God, but I'm, I'm reserving that for, for this reason. He was successful. The blessings of God were abounding in his life. God was with him. He was blessed. God was with him. He's successful. But you know what happens? When he arrives in the house of Potiphar, Potiphar is a heathen official, a heathen man, a man who does not serve the God of Israel, a man who does not serve the God of Jacob, the God of his father. He doesn't serve them. Joseph serves the true God, and yet Potiphar serves all the gods of Egypt. He worships Pharaoh, and yet Joseph said, listen, I'm a slave in your house, but I'm going to submit to you. And you know what happened? It released the favor of God on Joseph. So much so that God's favor worked for him, and this is where you have to be careful. Because when you have favor with God and with men, when you have favor with men, this is where you have to be careful. The Bible says that favor surrounds us like a shield. I declare that over you all the time. Favor surrounds our church like a shield. But let me say this. The favor of God will attract good people, but it will cause people who have bad intent to notice you as well. <laughs> right? And it caused Potiphar's wife to notice that he was handsome. So she's attracted to him as well. And the Bible says that she repeatedly came to, jo came to Joseph and she kept trying to sleep with him over and over and over again. Now, I was meditating on this last week. And don't judge me, but just be honest. Let's just be honest. Joseph is a thousand miles away from home. 
100 miles away from home. All right. No one even knows he's alive. No one's looking for him. He's a slave in his master's house. His master is not home. Probably won't be home for a couple days. And now his master's wife wants to sleep with him. Let me ask you this. If he gave into his master's wife, don't you think it would make his life a little bit more comfortable? A little bit easier? And yet, what did Joseph say? I can't sin against God and my master. He's not just submitting to God. Listen, he's submitting to his heathen master. He was a slave. And he's submitting to his master that is not a believer. I'm telling you, it, it, it's, it's, we've all had perfect opportunities to do something physically to make our life easier. I could tell on this person. I could expose this person. I could do this. I could do that. I could work against that person. I can, I can be proud and show everybody, look what I did so that it'll move me into a different place. I'm telling you, that's nothing more than what we talked about last week, flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping, trying to make yourself get to a place that God himself wants to bring you. I'm telling you, if you work hard to get yourself to a place at the end, even if you get there, you're going to be tired, stressed, and worn out. But if you will rest and let God exalt you in due time, how? By submitting. Look at the context. Let God exalt you in due time. He will sustain you. Because God gives, listen, God resists the proud, those who try themselves. But God gives grace to who? Those who know how to submit. He submitted to God and Potiphar. And you know what? He submitted so much so that finally his wife got mad and said, oh, she lied on Joseph. He tried to rape me. She, she stole his coat. He tried to rape me. Potiphar threw him in prison. Have you ever submitted to someone and the situation gets worse? <laughs> he submitted. And he's going, God, I submitted. I, I, sub I did the right thing. How am I in prison? But let me say this. Do you know that there was no, the king's butler was never mentioned to be in Potiphar's house one time? The king's butler never made a guest appearance in Potiphar's house one time. But do you know where the king's butler found himself at? In prison. In prison. Is it possible to submit to someone who's less qualified, not as smart as you, not as favored as you? Is it possible to submit to them? And it looked like on the surface, things are getting worse. Absolutely. But when you submit, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it will put you at the right place at the right time. He had to be in the prison so that he could cross paths with a butler who would have a dream. And in his desperation, wonder, am I going to be here for the rest of my life? Joseph never interpreted dreams in Potiphar's house. Never interpreted dreams. But he did interpret dreams in prison. And I'm telling you, one, one minute he's in prison with the, with the butler, the king's butler. The next minute, one minute in front of Pharaoh, just one minute in front of Pharaoh, and the favor of God elevated him and made him the second most powerful person in the entire land of Egypt. He was the second most powerful person in the entire, literally, what was the known world at that time within one minute. But what did he do? How did he get there? He submitted to Potiphar. Don't get me wrong. It's the grace of God. The favor of God was with him in prison and he was elevated. God was with him here. God was with him there. But do you realize, let me say this, he never would have been in prison if he didn't submit to Potiphar and say, I can't sleep with your wife. If he hadn't submitted to Potiphar, he never would have been in prison. If he was never in prison, he never would have found the butler. And he never would have been able to interpret a dream. Had he not interpreted the butler's dream, he never would have been in the palace. I'm telling you, there's a lot of unqualified people out there, myself included. <laughs> 
But if you can find a way, I'm telling you, and I said this about it, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But if you can find a way to submit to unqualified people, imperfect people, I'm telling you, it's going to release the favor of God into every other area of your life. And that's what God wants for you. I'm telling you, 2021, we're going to talk about sounding the horn sooner than later, hopefully, by the grace of God. But I, I felt really impressed from the Lord. The Lord said, look, I want my people to be favored, but I need them to submit to their authority. Stop fighting the people around you. Stop fighting the people who are unqualified. Stop doing it. Listen, you're better than that. You're a child of God. If there's anyone who's qualified is Jesus, and yet he found a way to submit to Mary and Joseph. He didn't look at him and say, why are you so anxious? I'm the son of God. Do you not know that there are angels? Do you not know that I am? Do you not? Do you not? No, he just said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry, I had to be about my father's business, but yes, ma'am, let's go back home. <laughs> yes, sir, let's go back home. He submitted. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the word this morning. Lord, I ask for everyone that's receiving the message this morning, I ask for everyone for a fresh wave of favor to be released on them. A fresh wave of favor to be released on them. And Father, I ask that you, and this is always my prayer, but Lord, I ask that you confirm your word like you did in the book of Acts with signs, with miracles, and with wonders. Father, that as your people submit throughout this week, that you would do an exponential, that you would accelerate, you would accelerate your response, accelerate your answer, accelerate what you're doing in the lives of your people. Father, accelerate and show them manifested them, and myself included, that your word is true, that as we submit to our godly authority, we submit to those who are above us, you always take care of us. You always protect us. And Father, even as you said in 1 Peter chapter 5, it's you who will exalt us. So Lord, we thank you that you make sure that we will never be taken advantage of. You always watch over us. You always make sure that we'll never be taken advantage of. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. So with your hands stretched out, may the Lord bless you this coming week and you're going out and then you're coming in. May the Lord bless you and your family. May the Lord continue to open doors of opportunity for you. May the Lord keep you and your families always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and may you enjoy his peace this week. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. I love you. I love you. I love you. Don't Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.